Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not contain or replace your own financial, tax, legal, or financial product advice. Hello, Australia. Welcome to My Millennial Property. I'm Glenn James and this guy is... John Pigeon. And we could not do this podcast without Wellman Finance. So, thank you to Sean and the team at Wellman Finance. Now, in this socially isolated online world, Sean can help you with your mortgage requirements wherever you are in Australia. However, if you are in Melbourne and you do want face-to-face, Sean is happy to do that at a safe one and a half meters distance away at no more than one person per... Is it four square meters? Oh, I don't know. Either way, yeah. uh, you need to put that mic up closer. <laughs> I'm putting the headset on you. Yeah. Either way. Either way. So, we are very pro-mortgage broker in this uh, My Millennial community. Yes. Because we want people to have the best chance of getting the most options put in front of them. Yeah. And we certainly trust Sean and the team at Wellman Finance. He loves to get in front of people, Sean, doesn't he? He loves to eyeball them, but this has forced him not to. (laughs) Yeah. But I mean, I don't think it'd be breaking the law if you met with a mortgage broker face-to-face and you met the social distancing requirements because it it could be essential for you if you have to move or whatever. It's very grey, isn't it? What's essential and what's not. You're essential, John. Now, I want to talk about turnkey packages. Now, there's a question here from Jane in Perth, and we may or may not have made up her name. No, we definitely didn't. Well, I didn't anyway. My partner, Andrew, will also be contributing. We want to buy our first home together. Our combined income is 160k before tax. Our savings sit at about 100k, so we've been looking at houses that are 500k. However, we can save 3k a month. We've been to some open houses except we are finding that now we can be quite picky, so we are now looking at turnkey packages, but we know nothing about them. We want to live where we are currently renting, and that's around Victoria Park, and they ideally want a three-bed, two-bath plus yard for our dog. So I guess, John, if I paraphrase that question, we've got money, we've got a good income, we've got a good saving, we can buy a 500K home without LMI if we put 100K into it, we're too picky with existing properties, should we buy a property that is brand new without having to go through the building process Mm. or go through the building process and just get what we want and turnkey? So, explain to me the the phrase turnkey and how it might be different first. Yeah, sure. So, a turnkey package basically means we've got a block of land, whether we sourced it or not, it's irrelevant for the purpose here. We've got a builder that's produced a, a build contract that has all the inclusions in it, basically to be livable, rent ready, whatever you want to call that. So 
the the front doors on the lawns are there the fences are up the hot water systems in everything that you need to to live in the home is basically included in that build contract yeah sure so it's interesting because there are kind of always a couple of ways to skin cats now the house that i purchased it was brand new it had never been lived in and I didn't engage the builder to build it. A, a builder had built it yes. and then they decided to sell it. So, because I didn't build it myself, I still got the first home buyer's grant yeah. and some exemptions for building because it was a new property. Yeah. No, the, and the ruling there is no one's ever lived in it. Yeah. If, the, if you can meet that rule, then then you're good to go with the, the first homeowner's grant there. Depending on which state you're in, that's more lucrative than others. But I think in this situation, it sounds though in your example, you weren't as fussed about what you lived in as what Jane and Andrew are. They're saying, well, they can't find their own home as an existing um, dwelling. So we're going to look at building our own so we can design it and we can have what we want as a blank template to then live in for the next 10 or 15 years. Yeah. Now, is that a reason for building a new home? I would say no. In, in, in that position, I'd be saying, well, can I buy an existing home that fits my budget that I can maybe change a few things around down the track, put up with it for now, but then looking at the structure, engaging a builder to look through it and say, well, can I move a few things around, take a wall out, extend on that actually fits my purpose within the suburb that we're looking Okay, I think when you're looking at a turnkey package or a house and land, as you as commonly referred to, that's a strategy for an investor to to say, well, okay, I want maximum tax benefits. I want to uh, maximise the rent because people want to live in a brand new home, and I've got a, a an amount that I can lend on because it is turnkey. But when it's a, your own home, I think you've got to understand that the, there's a motion involved when building your own home it's like also when you're doing renovations so really got to understand the real reasons for actually buying or 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 performing a certain strategy when you when you're building your own home there's a good chance that when you go in and select the tiles that these ones look a bit glossier and newer and wider and bigger so i'll choose those and then over here with the taps i'll i'll choose these ones instead of those ones all of a sudden you you're 50 70 grand higher than you anticipated so your 500k ceiling has gone out the window yeah and i think that's interesting to note that when we look at these house and land packages um, which give you a turnkey home with all the inclusions the advertised rack rate is probably going to be the base model it's not going to have the lux taps it's not going to have an extra powerpoint in each room it's and just as you're talking john i think it's an example of I I like the way that this question's been asked because it doesn't, to me, scream that they've got house fever. It doesn't scream we're emotional purchases. It doesn't scream that the world's going to end if we don't find it. So, it's a very balanced discussion and they're good with their money. They've earned great income. Would you look at the scenario and they could probably just... We need information and data and facts before we can ever pull the trigger on a decision. Is it worth them looking around, and I don't know the area of Victoria Park, so if Victoria Park's a nice suburb, I wonder if they've got the 
emotional and mental capacity to engage a builder in a new estate or whatever. They might have the emotional capacity to look for the worst house in the best street and spend a hundred grand and renovate it to what they would like. Yeah. Or do a complete knockdown. And I suppose that's where I was I was getting to. Have we fully exhausted the existing homes in the Victoria Park suburb? Like Victoria Park's uh Victoria Park is a pretty good suburb. Um, so I, I can't see a thousand lot subdivisions going on in a suburb like that. So it, it would be infill land that, and, and that's a conversation for another day, but where there might be two or three blocks appear or we find a block, as you said, knock it down and, and build a brand new home on it. I think either, either way, we've, when it's our own home to live in, we've emotionally got to say, what's our ceiling? Now, can we buy a home for... 400,000 and spend another 100,000 renovating. So as you said, engaging the builder to come with us and and take a look through it. Or can we find a a 500k turnkey package, not a dollar more to say, we we get lending on it and it's a house that fits our criteria and away we go. But either way, we've probably got to dig deeper on the existing stuff first if we haven't already. Yeah, and I think as well, they want to be extra picky and you're allowed to be picky. There's no thing and we'll never say don't be picky because you can do what you want with your own money. But is there an argument for maybe engaging a buyer's advocate or a buyer's agent in that area and saying, hey, we want this type of house and yeah, it might cost you 15 grand, might cost you 10 grand. I don't know, but get them out on the ground or can you do letterbox drops to places that look nice in the right streets and say, do you want to sell, you know, let's get this party happening. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a a family moving to the area. want to spend the next 20 years. We want to spend the next 20 years in, in Vic park. Do you want to sell your home? We, we love this area sort of thing. So yeah, you can be quite strategic. A buyer's agent might be able to help. The only condition I'd put on that is, most buyers agent have an upfront amount that you put down for to engage yeah, them. Yeah, might be five grand or yep. something like that. Yeah, and then no fee unless you they find your property. So you want to check the terms and conditions around mm-hmm. there. I don't think it's a bad idea to engage someone like that. But again, it, it depends on your expertise. You might have the time to go and do that yourself. And I think it's a matter of risk management as well, because if it is the next home that we want to spend ten years in, and I'll assume they want to start a family if they haven't got one already. I mean. If we renovate, if we buy a house and renovate it, okay, there's a risk that we pull back the walls and the plumber says, oh, the actual pipes are rooted. So we have to spend an extra 10 grand that we didn't account for. Yeah. There's a risk with even turnkey packages, you might get the block of land. And like I had a client, they did all this. And then the builder rocked up and said, oh, there's actually a tree stump there that needs to be removed and trees. That's an extra five grand. Mm. So. Maybe in terms of risk management of looking at what can blow out, is it worth engaging, spending the five grand with a buyer's agent? Because at least you've capped that five grand risk if they can't find the right property. Yeah. It's quantified to their initial fee. Yeah, that's right. Some buyer's agents, however, have a condition in there. If you find the property, you still owe us the fee. Right, so you'd have to check your terms Which is fine because I don't think anyone should work for free. No. Because they will be doing research and... Because a lot of buyers advocates, they've got contacts with a lot of real estate agents. True. And they can just put out the word, hey, we want a nice little quaint, whatever it is, house in this suburb. Yeah. You just might be surprised what might come out of the woodwork. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it, it, it comes back to 
what streets do you want to be living in? What suburb do you want to be living in? Which is more important, the street or the home, right? Now, for me, it's the street and the suburb over the home, right? Totally. Um, and I think for long-term outcome of, of growth and, and enjoying your lifestyle, it needs to be in that order. And you can change the structure of the house. You can't change the street that you're living in unless you sell. Okay, so she's saying uh, that she's saving about or they're, they're saving about 36 grand a year three grand a month mm. which is great so can they buy in at 500k with their existing house knowing that it's not the ideal uh, floor plan that they're after or the size or whatever it is but over the next two years there's another 70 grand coming in can that contribute to the renovation over the next two years and in a have a three or five year plan to say well in five years it's going to be everything we've wanted and more question is there a rule of thumb, like you hear the word overcapitalize, okay? Yes. Is there a rule of thumb that don't spend more than 20% on renovating? Like, is there yeah. an actual... But if you've got the money, like I know people that spent $2 million renovating a house, they 100% overcapitalized, 100%. They love the area. They don't ever want to move. They had the money, who cares? But yeah. if you've... If, you know, that's one end of the spectrum, but ordinarily is the garden variety homes in suburbia, is there, like, if we paid 500 grand for a decent house, we don't want to spend more than 100K, 150K renovating? Yeah, like, do you think I, it's I don't a, like a percentages? putting percentages on that because what, what it does is it, it maybe makes us skimp in some areas when we should have spent more. Um, mm. Like when you when it's when you've got your in solely your investors hat on, I think you've got to say right, here's our limit, and that's where your twenty percent might come into play. But when it's your owner occupier, and you're going to spend the next fifteen years there, um, it, it's all relative to what your repayments are going to be when you've lent money. Yeah, um, and I think you need to make sure you talk with your mortgage broker, talk with the builder who's renovating, just yeah. get information because. Yeah. And you could even ask the question to the builder, to the mortgage broker, like, hey, does it look like that we're overcapitalizing here? Yeah. And, and if they say yes, well, you might be. <laughs> but again, that's but only someone's opinion. Exactly. But a couple of opinions based on some actual numbers. Yeah. It's like, you know, oh, it costs us 500 grand. We're spending 400 grand renovating it. Yeah. If might feel like you're overcapitalizing. And if you still do it, at least you know you're doing it. Yeah, that's right. And I, I think we've gone off the track of, of house and land or turnkey packages, mm. but while we're on it, the, the key there is um, understanding if you're, you're sitting down with an architect or whoever's designing this home or renovation, you're then sitting down with a mortgage broker and then you're sitting down with a builder. You're rarely sitting down with all three in the one room. Most of the time, you'll get three different versions of what you're doing. The builder will come back with a quote that doesn't fit inside what we're able to lend and the architects built something that's maybe um, the, the builder wasn't aware that it was going to cost them that much because it was too early on in the process when we're designing. So you need to have those three people reasonably well informed as to what you're actually going to do. Why wouldn't you have out. a meeting with all, everyone in the same room on the same table? You'd love to have that. Like I, that, I would do it. I'm, like, be... I'm paying all you people. Correct. So there's no reason why we can't all have a roundtable discussion. 
I'd love to see the percentage of people that actually do that and it'd be extremely low, but that'd be my biggest recommendation is to make sure your key people in this argument or, or conversation are on the same page. I mean, we do it for businesses. I mean, I've yeah. been vocal when I started my business. I had the um, the lawyer, commercial lawyer, estate planning lawyer and accountant in the same room. Yes, and so that's this right. is what I want to do. Yeah. We've all got to work together here so there's a good outcome. Yeah, and a, and a good leader, a good project manager will, will do all of that. But I'm saying most mums and dads won't be doing that and they'll do one separate from the other. And by the time they get to the end, it's like, hang on a minute, this is going to cost me 100 grand more than I thought. Mm. Yeah, so we might end it there, John. But I guess if I was in... Uh, the same position that this couple was in, I'd probably just get some information together for myself, just loosely crunch some numbers. Mm. What's the turnkey? What's the drama and the time? I mean, they're both earning good money, okay? Very good money. So, generally, sometimes, the more money that you earn can sometimes mean the less time you have in your life for other stuff. Sometimes. Sometimes, yeah. So, there's the trade-off of the time and effort they've got to put into building a home versus knocking on a door, getting a buyer's advocate and finding a pre-existing one that might not have a sign out the front of it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, there's a lot to be said for a new home because is it's new plumbing, it's new electricals, it's it should be lasting you the next 20 years. And it's years beautiful and to live in. Like, Great to live in, yeah. We've both lived in new homes before. Mm. I think it's the most wonderful thing ever it is yeah but the key is not to overcapitalize and i don't like to use the word overcapitalize but not to be beyond your means where you're tied to that mortgage for the next 20 or 30 years absolutely Um, just just quickly on that though and she may not have seen this but you you see a lot of glossy brochures build from three hundred thousand. that word from is key there Beautiful word, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> it's not turnkey when it says from three hundred thousand. Turnkey is going to be more likely to for, be four fifty. Four fifty, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so just be wary of that if you're out there looking at that. Yeah, and ask people in your world who have been through the process before. There's an episode. If you go through, we did an episode here, uh, house and land packages with yes. Welsh Homes. It's on the property podcast. Yeah, just get information. Yeah, and you could always uh, have a clarity call with John. John does those calls for $330 and just spend an hour. And it's good just to have a third-party sounding board. Yeah. Just to go, hey, are we crazy? And John will go, yes. Or, no, that seems reasonable. I mean, yeah, just be informed. Yeah. Okay, guys. Thanks for listening today. All right. See you. Bye. Bye. Special thanks to Wellman Finance, our podcast partner. Sean Wellman and his team are available to coach you through your property journey, even if it's your first time. With expertise in investment and home loans, they're in your corner providing education and support as you take each step. For more info, check out wellmanfinance.com.au forward slash M3. If you want to really turn up your property education and information journey, make sure you check out the Solvair Property and Finance Academy. This is an amazing online resource that John has put together. It's to empower and to give results to people who are either first-time buyers, whether for their home to live in or an investment property, or if you're a seasoned property investor, this online academy is for you. Check out the link in the show notes. It will change your life if you let it. If you're after personal financial advice, this podcast is not for you. But if you do want a financial advisor or mortgage broker to talk with about your own personal situation, head over to sortyourmoneyout.com 
click get help and we'll put you in touch with one of our trusted professionals.